Yeah, yeah, it's what I'm at to Stormy, me, and we're actually doing something different. We have my guest here, who is Captain Kendall Hickman of the Delaware Department of Correctional Facility, and he's also my dad. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, this is his first time being here, so I won't add him too much. <laughs> So let's get this out of the way. What exactly are your duties in the Department of Correctional Facility? Yeah, well, I work for the Delaware Department of Corrections, and most of my time is spent at uh, the, Sus the Sussex Correctional Institution right here in Georgetown, Delaware, locally. And uh, I'm, I'm the chief investigator, and I'm the PREA compliance manager, and uh, I supervise several key elements of the uh, facility to include laundry, uh, the inmate mail system, religious services, and uh, one of the uh, security entrances. And I also uh, maintain and supervise the accreditation processes, such as uh, audits to make sure that we're running the facility the best practices. That's it. Yeah. And so, in this episode, we're just going to talk about how the COVID-19 virus is affecting, well, the prison life or the prison system in Delaware. So, just tell me right off the bat, how well do you test your prisoners or your inmates or your staff? Well, uh well, you hit a key element of what's really uh, happening right now in the Delaware Department of Corrections up and down the state and across the country, as you know, to be perfectly honest. Uh, since we have such a tight population of people living in such a small area, obviously COVID-19 uh, presents its share of challenges. Uh, how we're dealing with it right there for is that you asked a question about the testing. Uh, we had an outbreak out uh, in July, and uh, we tested every inmate that was there, and we came up with, uh, out of a population that at that time was just under 1,100, and we came up with a, a 400 positive inmates, which presented its uh, challenges that we can discuss later. And uh, we're, our staffing, as far as uh, testing staff, mainly we have... Uh, they can get us, any staff member can get a free test every two weeks. And of course, if you're symptomatic, you, uh, your healthcare professionals on, on the street, your own uh, doctors will will, uh, will probably assign you to get, get a test. So, and they're all challenging in itself. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty a lot of hard work. Just, just essentially you have a bunch of people all in a tight space, and if just one of them gets infected, it's a living hell, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Uh, what, <laughs> what we've come up with, uh, I mean, far as uh, preventing the outbreak inside the facility, we've uh, we stopped visitors early on on the onset of the COVID spread. We we stopped the visitors from coming in. So inmates just recently, uh, I guess it's in September started having uh, their loved ones come in again, and we'd stopped that uh, practice since March. Uh, the teachers are still remote learning. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, in a, in a prison system, inmates still go to school. 
A um, lot of them need their high school diplomas and are working towards their GEDs, and they're going to virtual learning in the prison just like uh, kids and you guys in college are, are virtual learning. The inmates are doing that as well. We, uh, we had to really uh, look for any empty office or any real estate inside the prison to, to set up uh, virtual learning areas, so, so that's been a little bit of a challenge. Uh, and to get back to testing, what was your, your question is uh, that anytime that we can contact Trace or an, in, an inmate is uh, symptomatic, uh, uh, we, we pretty much test them and, and uh, quarantine them as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, and I read this online, and I don't know if it's true. Most prisoners just go to jail for one thing, like getting their license renew or something, and due to COVID, they're pretty much stuck there when they should be out within a year. Is that true? Well, not necessarily. I mean, you can't uh, – uh, anything you read online has probably just got a little bit of truth to it and not all truth. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but probably what they were trying to uh, – uh, demonstrate to you or, or, or communicate to, to you is that you got inmates that uh, that come to jail they, they they're sentenced to an ex you know a, a certain amount of time and in uh, a program and a lot of times their time is suspended upon completing of that program such as uh, DUI or a sex offender program or a, a substance abuse program. Well, with COVID-19 has caused some problems is because a lot of these programs are not up and running because, you know, we're, we're limiting the amount of people that are coming in. We're, 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 we're not allowing inmates to move freely across the compound of SCI and they're, they're not going to class and judges sentenced these uh, inmates, you know, before COVID or even during the COVID outbreak, not realizing that, that, that they would not be able to participate in these programs and it's uh, making their sentences longer than what the uh, sentencing judge probably intended it to be. Yeah, and this is a real issue. So I just want to know on how someone like you is just handling all this and what essentially or how more importantly, how do you deal with all this Bull crap that China gave us. <laughs> well, yeah, that's pretty. The I saw a meme the other day. They call it the China virus because it came from China. I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, it, to put it a more broader type uh, answer to to your question would be: from the onset, we stop visitors coming in. We uh, are counseling people or. Uh, our uh, teachers, they all want virtual learning. Uh, we eventually provided the inmate population with masks, uh, face coverings. The staff there have to, are mandatory wearing face masks, and we uh, we just don't use any type of mask. That we're, uh, the staff members themselves are all at the M95 uh, masks. That's what we have to wear. Uh, we, we don't, we, we quarantine, uh, inmates that come to the facility for 14 days before we allow them to, uh, to, to go to general population or to move freely on the compound. Uh, we do temperature checks of every inmate at least once in some areas, twice a day. We, uh, we've suspended a lot of programs, which makes it difficult too. We don't, we don't have uh, any, uh, library services right now. 
uh, like I said, schools are all virtual learning. And uh, gym, uh, there's no, we don't let them go to gym. We do let them go to yard. There is uh, activities in the yard right now. But with, uh, here it is October and, and the temperatures are starting to drop. Um, you know, some of these inmates would probably prefer to go to the, the gymnasium and, and do their athletic workouts and participate in, in activities than be outside. But that's where we're at right now. Yeah. And I just want to know, how do you do handle the learning program? I think you mentioned this already, but I just want to know more in, well, in specific terms, is it kind of like Zoom meetings or do you just did a giant TV in one small room? <laughs> well, yeah, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's run by the software Zoom. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we uh, any classroom, any chow hall that wasn't in use, uh, we're, we're using the chapel as well. We've set up, uh, we have electronics technicians that, that work there, and they're pretty good at what they do. So they were able to quickly set up uh, areas with big 70-inch TVs and, uh, and, and provide uh, Zoom learning, just like we're doing now with, uh, with the inmate population. The, uh, the teachers are at home, and they're putting together their, uh, their lesson plans, and they're t- teaching you know, the inmates. But a lot of times, a uh, class would have uh, inmates from several different buildings meet, and we're not allowing buildings to, to, to mingle together. So that's causing problems. So the teacher might, may have taught one class for a group of 20 inmates. Now they're now teaching a group of 7, 8, 9, 10 inmates from one building. They have to teach the class three times instead of once. So they're, they're dealing with, with, with their problems. And, and to continue with the virtual uh, services that we're offering, the courts as well, you know, every inmate there has been sentenced uh, or, or committed to our facility through the legal system. And that during the COVID process, they shut down all the courts except for jury trials. So everything dealing with, with the courts are done virtually. And, and once again, we had to grab every office, everything we could, and set up uh, uh, virtual courtrooms everywhere. I think we're running five now at SCI. And uh, inmates have to come down. We have to assign staff. And they have to, uh, of course, the judges weren't used to this either. So they had a, a learning process that they had to uh, uh, to deal with of, of having virtual courtroom instead of a, a live courtroom. So this, these virtual things are is a learning curve. But the good news is some of these things we're not going to go back to. Uh, so we don't have we won't have to transport inmates to courts for certain services anymore. We're going to continue to do it virtually after we finally beat this COVID thing. Yeah, and that's going to be awkward for the judges, i got to say, because I had to be quiet to not interrupt you, but I can just imagine them saying the order a bit, but yeah, it's yeah, all right. right. Yeah, and you have to, you have to remember, too, that uh, obviously you're my sunstorm, and you know some of the difficulties I have with technology, and I have to call you or, or – or uh, your sister, my daughter, Misty, in to help me. A lot of these judges are uh, of considerably age as well. Maybe, you know, a lot of them are older than me. So for them to uh, to have to start using Zooms and virtual courtrooms, I'm sure it was a, 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 an undertaking for them. They're like, how do you work this calculator? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sure the, their assistants and their younger staff had their hands full getting them up and running with some of these uh, things. Yeah, and this is our 
last question in order, or second to last, it's how do you feel, or what is your, what do you think about the other members of your staff, or what are the other officers' opinion on this? But okay. you know it. Yeah, everybody's got their opinions there. And of course, I hear it. Some people, I mean, they think we're doing a great job. Some people think we're not doing such a good job. Uh, you got uh, some officers or have uh, family members living them with living with them with uh, uh, underlying health conditions, and of course, their you know their opinion about where they work and what's going on would be different from say a, a young 25 year old that lives by himself uh, not really scared of the coronavirus or an older officer with a uh, with a couple underlying health uh, uh, things may you know may be seriously concerned about the COVID-19 process and anytime you have all these changes uh, uh, is happening and the staff members are, are reluctant to change and and uh, it, it's been a difficult process and you know but we'll get through it yeah and this is one more question I have before we well log off in our podcast and this one is just from father to son actually <laughs> it's what do you think <sighs> So I was just trying to let my thoughts here. What do you think, or how should younger people help their parents in a situation like this? Should they do the best they can or just try not to make them angry? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a very broad question. Obviously, young people can, you know, help by, uh, uh, yeah, like I've said before, help us uh, transition into the, the technology world was one. <laughs> and two... I mean, I'm sure there are some uh, some family members are uh, are, are struggling with uh, with financial situations, and uh, the younger kids from you know adolescents to to young adults like yourself still living at home. Uh, obviously, that, that uh, the COVID nineteen prevents uh, promotes financial instabilities inside a, a family unit. Uh, <clears throat> And uh, that work hard and be understanding, understanding what, what your uh, siblings and understanding what your parents and understanding that uh, that we may have to provide services to grandparents. And we're, we're asking you to self-isolate because we don't want to get the COVID or, or get a virus because then we can't take care of uh, our older people that, that we have to take care of. So. Those are the things to be that young people should consider when they're when they're uh, dealing and trying to understand what their uh, their older siblings or, or, or parents are going through. Uh, thank you so much, Dad. And that's all for Stormy Media, folks. Because I just like to thank my dad for joining us on this thank time. You thank you for having me, Stormy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, see you next time and. Hopefully we'll talk about some more or at the very least try and make this virus thing a little better for all of us. Anyway, see y'all next time.